This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast is the big picture of reading and the importance of reading practice. And I hope to address two big questions up front. Number one, what can parents do at home to help their child read? And number two, what can we do in the classroom to help our children read? These are the big questions. Now, there's no big secret here. There's no super secret special strategies. But there are four big ideas for us all to consider. Big idea number one. A reading teacher's number one job is to help children fall in love with books. After that, 98% of reading instruction takes care of itself. Now, too often, it seems as if we have this backwards. Too often, it seems we do everything possible to help children not fall in love with books. We give them mush to read. We make them feel like failures. We don't let them actually read books. Instead, We make them do meaningless drill and practice on reading sub-skills. And we prepare them for tests and not for life. And if they read anything, we think we have to test them to make sure they've read it. Now, teachers and parents can help their children fall in love with books by reading to them. Reading to them every day, all the time starting in the womb and ending whenever they don't want you to read anymore. For young children, reading's an emotional experience, not a logical experience. That's why young children can listen to Green Eggs and Ham every night. They're experiencing it emotionally. In the classroom, read-alouds can be considered a research-based strategy. Teachers spending 5 to 15 minutes after recess to read a good chapter book to the class is time well spent. I don't care if you're in first grade or if you're in 12th grade. You can introduce concepts and vocabulary as well children get an intuitive sense for the sound and structure of the language. For parents, next time you're taking a car trip, thinking about think about reading a book. Have car books set aside specifically for this. Big idea number two. Students need reading practice. Instead of reading class, we should call it reading practice. Like choir practice and football practice and wrestling practice and piano practice, students need to practice things to get better at them. They need reading practice. Could you imagine learning to play the piano without ever practicing? Could you imagine wanting to play the piano without having good music to play? Reading volume has been linked to increases in word identification, comprehension, fluency, and vocabulary. So the goal for any reading program should be to read a lot. Now, the 1983 Andy, when I was teaching second grade, used to tell his students 
to find a good book to read once they were done with their work. Once they were done completing those oh-so-not-important workbook pages, then they could find a good book to read. But reading good books should be the main work of reading practice. Nancy Atwell recommends 70 to 80% of reading class be spent practicing reading, reading books that children that they have selected. And only 20 to 30% of a reading class be spent doing skills work. I dare say we have these percentages backwards. We tend to spend 70 to 80% of class doing these skills work and very little time practicing reading. 10 minutes a day of sustained silent reading where children were able to read books that they have selected without anybody giving a test to see if they had really read it would be a wonderful thing. Of course, 20 to 40 minutes a day would be better. So reading class should be reading practice. And then they could talk about their books and write about things they found in their books. I would love it if at 8.35 every day across this great continent, teachers would say, boys and girls, get out your books so we can get ready for reading practice. And good homework should be reading practice or to practice reading. Spending even 10 minutes at home practicing reading would be a wonderful thing. And of course, 20 to 40 minutes a night would be even better. But that means you have to have good books and other material for students to want to read. And this leads us to big idea number three. Have good books available. Every classroom should have a wide variety of good books and other reading material available for students. This would be narrative texts, stories, and expository texts, information books, on a variety of topics and at a variety of levels. High-low books, picture books, manuals, how-to books, comic books, graphic novels, and anything else you think students might want to read. And again, these would be two to four grade levels above and two to four grade levels below. How do we expect children to learn to read if they don't have good stuff to read? And again, we could have comic books, graphic novels, cartoons, easy books, expository text, how-to manuals, Dear Abby advice columns, information books, and maybe work that other students have created. So instead of spending money on expensive programs and workbooks and tests and all this other monkey business, money would be better spent on lots and lots of good books that students want to read and notebooks for them to write in and teacher professional development. If you really want to improve literacy and thinking, this is where we would put our resources. And again, good books for students to read, simple notebooks for them to write in and teacher professional development. And of course, at home, 
we would schedule weekly library trips to make sure that we have good books available. And big idea number four, stop the search for magical elixirs. There is no magical one-size-fits-all program that's going to, quote, cure, unquote, things. There's no magical programs. There's only magical teachers with toolboxes full of teaching tools who are knowledgeable and empowered to make the decisions that are best for their students. Now, some insist that if schools would just buy the right research-based program or curriculum, that all the reading problems will be solved. There's this wacky belief that if teachers just have the right program, and if they were forced to implement it with fidelity, that means follow the recipe as that exactly as written, then we would create an educational wonderland where all students would be reading above grade level. Oh, wouldn't life be grand if good reading instruction was simply a matter of buying the right overly expensive reading program and implementing it with fidelity. In our teacher education programs, we could scrap all the child development classes and get rid of all our teaching methods courses and we could instead have program implementation courses, or read and follow the direction courses, or buy the right program courses. And the title of my next book would be Buy the Right Program. But students are not standardized products, and what works with one person or group does not always work with another. So that means we have to have continued professional development for teachers, so that all teachers have teaching toolboxes full of teaching tools. Four big ideas again. Number one, help children fall in love with books. That's a teacher's number one job. Two, students need reading practice, volume of reading practice. And number three, have good books available. And number four, Stop the search for magical elixirs. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.